What's up, everybody? This is Noah Kinsey. And Jonesy. And you're listening to the UFR Podcast. Roll it. All right, welcome back to episode 48 of Upon Further Review. Ow, ow, ow. This week we're talking about Some Like It Hot. So hot. Mm. That 1959? 1959 that took place in 1929. Yep. Starting in Chicago with two down-on-their-luck musicians who hitch a ride pretending to be women down to Florida to play with an all-women band and the hijinks that ensue. Yep. What do we think? Uh, it's fun. Right? I think it's fun. Um, Jack thought, Lemon makes yeah. an ugly-ass lady, though. Oh, totally. She is, he's the ugliest lady I've ever seen in my entire life. I think he, though, stood out in this movie. I think he... You think so? For the most part, yeah. Because his counterpart, I think, was... All right. Well, he just, did fine. He yeah. just didn't... Even though he carried kind of... his, He had more of the... Dual rows, roles by also pretending to be the rich guy. Right. But I, well, I he still played feel three like characters in did. this movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tony Curtis played uh-huh. the played Joe, who was the actual musician. Then mm-hmm. he played Josephine. Josephine. <laughs> and then he played the, the, ga- the rich guy. Yeah. From the Shell, Shell Oil. <laughs> Shell Jr., whatever <laughs> they called him. All three of those in one particular uh-huh. character. I mean, I feel like he, he had a lot of. Characters that kind of push through. Um, Jack Lemon, though, I was like, I don't know. It seems though it is a farce. I was a word. It was a little too farcical to me. Like it's kind of like a literally Joker. the French farce of the entrances and exit scene where they're running away from the mobsters. Yeah, exactly. By the way, I love. We're totally skipping ahead here, but I love the part where they're chasing him in the hotel. And then they lose them, and then those guys just casually go to that dinner. Like, well, we tried. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> right? I don't like, really think. I There's think some stuff looking. like that throughout this storyline <laughs> that I was just kind of like, well, that was convenient. <laughs> yeah. well, that was really convenient. However, is it just me, or does Tony Tony Curtis could actually look like a lady back yeah, then? Yeah, but his voice sounded like what nightmares are made out of. That's true. That creeped me out. Like yeah. He sounded like Buffalo Bill. Well, Which it wasn't even him, by the way. Right, um, right. The director Billy Wilder didn't like his falsetto, so he dubbed it over. Well, but because really, it was this scratchy was and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess they got some voiceover actor that kind of came in and dubbed over. Yeah. It. Well, ter- Tony Curtis said he couldn't. He had a hard time keeping his voice that high pitched for that long. Right, because it was like ca- crackling and all that yeah. and screeching. I mean, it makes sense though. I mean, to be honest with you, the voice really didn't bother me that much. What do we think means. about the story? I mean, the story is very simple. In itself, I feel. I mean, these two guys, it's during Prohibition, Uh right? Two guys uh, that play in a speakeasy, gets raided by the police. They are down on the luck. They don't don't have any money. Gamble their overcoats. Gamble their overcoats. um, And they find a way to get a job in Florida by dressing up as... extreme circumstances. I thought that was clever, how they did that, because... You know, Tony Curtis was totally Joe was totally against it. Right. So, um, but yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting how they're like, well, you we have to run away from the mob. Right. So I thought that was fun. And it was interesting to see Marilyn Monroe in yeah. this role. She's so, she just captures the camera. Like she Dude, just, I, you just zoom in on her. I agree with you. She There's something about her. I totally agree. Thing. And she's so like, um, she's so cute, you yeah. know, like she's so innocent. She yet. seems like such a sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, although anything. We know. But per yeah, se. we know that. But just her on screen persona is yeah. just so likable. I agree, man. Even and when she's saying stuff like, I really hope to find a millionaire down there. And <laughs> superficial, like, right. exponentially saying I, she literally just wants a rich person, a I rich guy. I think that was the hard part for me throughout this entire movie was that the whole thing just felt very superficial. Yeah. 
I didn't really care one way over I the other. I care that Joe was I, scamming her because I'm nah, like, well, she's just she wants a millionaire. Yeah. I guess she wants to fall in and out of love with stupid people. Okay, cool. She just wants that security. You know, I mean, then if, if you're thinking about theme throughout this entire film, I mean, you have that sense of security, mm-hmm. right? They want to be secure in a job. They want to cons- be secure in a life. She wants to be cure, secure in a life, that type of thing. I guess that could be... She wanted a, a safety a, net a, because she was tired of getting burned by the saxophone, saxophone players, but yet she falls in love with another saxophone. She just falls into them, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I like the the last line really kind of set everything up at the very end of the movie. It was kind of... It felt like a Gilligan's Island episode by the very end of the... Uh, of the film where you have the boat captain, the the actual <laughs> millionaire boat captain, uh, that just basically tells everybody, eh, nobody's perfect. That's like one of the best ways, best lines that have ever ended a movie. Yeah, that and that was, was it. Amazing. And that was it. That it was, was perfect. Eh, you know what? Nobody's I perfect. I love that. I'm a man. Nobody's perfect. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just yeah, love that. Exactly. Kind of reminded me, reminded me of Terry Crews and White Chicks. Yeah, I could see that. When he was really into whichever one. Right. One of the white chicks. Well, it's funny because like you look at movies, because we weren't around when this movie came out initially, mm-hmm. but then there's so many movies from our generation. Tootsie, Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, white chicks white even, chicks. you know. Um, those... Sister Act even, because yeah. she was hiding from the mob. Exactly. Being a nun. Being a nun. Yeah, mm-hmm. they took in so, many cadence, so much cadence from a movie like this to create movies that we've grown up with. Mm-hmm. Um I think, I mean, from a story perspective, it's just, it's simple, but I don't feel the couple of things that didn't work for me was that I didn't believe their flaws and their strengths all the way through. I just felt like they were just bullying each other, or at least Tony Curtis's character was just bullying. Oh, totally. Like that when, the whole when time, he comes like, out, oh, of the, out of the tub uh-huh. and like threatens him against the wall, like, right. I'm like, this is very uncharacteristic. Like that's what I thought too. I was like, "What? A, this is your best friend? What a f- yeah. fucker!" Yeah, you know. Um, but there's little things like that that I was just like, "Hmm, okay." Well, you mean to tell me that your buddy <laughs> likes this lady, and because for whatever reason, I mean, you've drug him through everything. You've, yeah. you, you, this guy's probably where he's at because of you. Oh, hundred um, percent. He keeps like, "How do you keep getting me into these messes?" Exactly. But it's like I don't know, Jack. How does he? He's yeah. not convincing. At he just all. tells you what you're going to do. You say no, and he does it anyway. I don't know how he gets you into this. Right. Because you have no spine, I guess. Yeah, because uh, you're a wimp. Because that, that was my big issue. Where it's like, right. why, the whole time, I'm like, why has Jack stayed with Joe this whole time? This whole time. Because there's there's never, in, in at no point in the movie was there any point where I'm like, that's why he stays with them. Right. There was really no, like, save the cat moment, so to speak. At all. Or, Joe at all he was just a user he used that woman at the agency yep you know yep. totally used her for her car for everything unapologetic right. about right. it at all even at the end it didn't yeah he came clean to Marilyn but there was but really way, no arc it, no. it was just sudden right? exactly and that's how I felt too because I mean if you, if we're looking at Joe's character he he uses everybody I mean, he's he's using he's using uh, the agent, the agent. He's Marilyn. using Marilyn. He's using the band. He's using Jack Lemmon's character. Jack Lemmon's character. He's using even he's using somebody that doesn't even know he's using him, which is the millionaire. Yeah, you know, like yeah. they're all. <laughs> he's using everybody in this entire film, and the only th- moment that he has is when Marilyn Monroe's singing the song about giving up love. Yeah. That he's watching that and he's like, oh, because of my assholeness that she's giving up love and that's because of me? Oh, bummer. You know what? Now I'm going to come clean. That was the moment? Yeah. There was no consolidation between his friend and all that type of stuff unless you can say that because of Joe's pushiness and um, his ability to use everybody around him that uh Daphne I guess kind of falls in love with the millionaire if you will but I don't think he fell in love with the millionaire per se but it goes back to what you said about theme about security mm. because even when Jack's like dancing after that night it's just yeah, like the maracas. no big deal we'll just get a divorce and then I'll be set right because I think Jack was Jack's character's name oh god We'll just say Jim, Daphne. Daphne. That's how Daphne. I, that's, I remember Daphne. Because I don't remember. Uh-huh. But um, 
it's easy to remember Joe because of Josephine. But, um, you know, Jack Lemon. we'll just say Jack. I'm yeah. just going to say Jack. So, listeners, we understand that's not his character's name, but we're just going to call him Jack. Yes. Because it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. It doesn't because he was Daph- Daphne or Daphne. What? Daphne. Daphne. Yeah, he was Daphne God, through like 90% happening? of this movie. Okay. <laughs> because of that, we're just going to call him Jack. Anyway. You know, he they were down on their luck. They literally had nothing. They didn't even have a coat on their back. And now here comes this guy who's going to give Jack this moment, even though it's a fantasy of security. Right. He's probably swept up in that more than a dude. <laughs> That's true. You know, because and one of my problems was at the, you know, during, after the first act when they're with the band, it felt like Jack was trying to get with Sugar the whole time initially. I agree. And like in the cot and everything like that. But the minute yeah. that Joe pretends to be the millionaire, that whole thing was dropped. And Jack like didn't so care anymore. Fast. Yeah, totally. That was weird to me. Yeah. And that was kind of the bummer part to me, too, because I was like, well, if why don't you fight for him? But I, that's not his character, I guess. He just doesn't have a spine, I guess. I guess. Maybe they were he kind was of... pushing really hard to hook up with her. Yeah, and the whole time. Even up until when they were throwing the ball around in the swimsuits and mm-hmm. stuff. And then all of nothing. a sudden, maybe it was the moment where um, they rushed to the bedroom. And because he knows he's going to get the one up on him. He's yeah. like, yes, let's hurry up and rush to the yeah. bedroom because he's never going to make it there in time. Oh, maybe the death threat was like, you can have her. Fine. All right. That's the. All right. I don't know. I mean, that that's the thing that I didn't like because I didn't really ever feel there was a consolidation between friends. If that was me. I'd have been like, fuck you, bro. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. There was no moment like that. But I guess was that moment really important? To be honest with you, they started the movie like that. They started the movie with these two characters, the screwball comedy. I would want some sort of reconciliation Mm -hmm. at the very least. uh, Hey, man, you were right. Yeah. But yet we got out of it. Haha, you know, something that I we could hold on to. But other than that, they just kept running and then all of a sudden they get to a boat and they're like, Okay, bye in the sunset and then boom, movie's over. Sunset. Done. And then outside of that, like even looking at Sugar's character, I mean Couldn't yeah, really sympathize for her at all. At all, man. Mm. At all. So I it's tough for me to say like it, was it a good movie? I think it was an entertaining yeah. movie if 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 you were going for something that is very surface. Hundred percent, right? Like, in my opinion, you can, needed to enjoy it on a superficial level as totally. much as it was, <laughs> right? Like, it felt like one. It felt like a stage play, yeah. And they did; they made it a stage play. It was called Sugar. Sugar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was in it when I was in high school, my <laughs> senior year. I was. What in were that, you? I was. I played Spats. Nice. Which was the, the Al gangster, the Al Capone ripoff, exactly. Because like, they even had the Saint Valentine's Day Massacre, which is exactly. Al Capone ordered that hit. Right. Did you do you know about this? Yeah. About the, they disguised themselves as policemen and came up to the rival gang and lined them up saying that they were pulling, they were kind of like frisking them and stuff. And then oh. they just shot them against the wall. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I've the heard. mob pretending. That's pretty funny. Yeah. But Al Capone wasn't there, but he ordered the hit. Right. He wasn't there. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was there in spirit. He doesn't know nothing about it. Exactly. Copper. Basically, he's the one that pulled the trigger without even touching the gun. Because he's gangster. That's true. Literally. Um, I like how they identified him because of his spats. It's like a lot of guys wore spats back then. I know, but he was the only one wearing it in yeah, the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love how like we're going to bring you out a birthday cake. It's not my birthday. Well, you know, we're going to bring no it out feelings. anyway. He's like, OK, that's not suspicious whatsoever. I that's <laughs> I did. I it's not like I've it. been in the organization to crime for like decades and know how hits happen yeah exactly it's just like oh this is an abnormally large cake somebody could is there somebody inside that cake is there somebody in that cake? you know what it's okay it's my birthday cake four months yeah. early it's my unbirthday guys <laughs> they just brutally just slaughter everybody that took a long time by Dude. the way that shot was long i felt like it was uh of um you know when <laughs> in Home Alone he's like, <laughs> keep the chains, uh, you filthy animal. I really want him to say something like that. <laughs> That'd have been amazing by the end of that shooting uh, scene. But then the cops just kind of show up, right? They're yeah. just like, "Ah, oh, we caught you." Were the they egg. just chilling outside? Yeah, like, exactly. They came super fast. They could have just stopped that yeah. at any time, right then and there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And why but they did, did it? 
Tony Curtis and Jack got up at a time I would not. I would have stayed below <laughs> at all the at whole time. All. I would wait until the next day to get. I would have waited until the cops found me. Yeah, and then they'd be like, "Who are you guys?" I'm like, "We just work here," and they're like, "Get out of here." Okay, thanks. Bye. At least I got protected by the cops, but they left at the worst time yeah. ever. And they're like, and you know, running around the you know the hotel, ultimately just to hide underneath another movable table. At this point, it just. It's, but it's a farce <laughs> though. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's a farce. So you can kind of, ah, oh, that's funny, haha. You know, but other than that, I think for it to be on the AFI list against some of these other ones that are up there, I know it's on the 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 comedy list for sure. Sure. Um, but I mean, we've seen some AFI comedy type stuff. I mean, this. I don't know if it holds well, up so against another, some of those other comedies that we've seen. Another interesting theme for me, I thought, which might kind of like how we talked about 12 Angry Men and its relevance today um, when it comes to race relations. Sure. I felt like this one definitely dealt with what it's like to be a woman in this society. Yes, I did like that a lot. I think maybe because you had like the bellhop say like. Him saying, Jack saying, no, no, no. Or no, Joe saying, no, no, no. And Bob like, oh, I like it when they fight. And it's yeah, like, I was like, basically, you know, rape you. Yeah. Is ultimately what was going to happen. he's like, don't worry, I have a key. It's like, all right, well, I fucking have a knife. <laughs> I have, Come like, close, buddy. I can, I'm basically two of you stacked on top of each other. Yeah. So I would beat your ass. You're like four feet tall. Yeah, get out of here, kid. Get out of here. You're um, like mini me. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that is so true. I'm like, what would you do with all that woman, kid? You know what I mean? What are you, 12? Jesus Christ. Can you even get it up? Have your balls dropped yet? <laughs> get out. Come on, uh, Peach Fuzz. Get the fuck out yeah, of here. Yeah, get out of here. Come on. <laughs> get out of here. I said get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I agree with you. I think w- there's a couple of things that they did really well to that to those point of views that you're talking about. One is they did they 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 took men of that time and they threw them into a woman's perspective, mm-hmm. which hasn't been done. Up into that point. No, that was very so that advanced was, it, for its time. Exactly. For very forward thinking. Exactly. I mean, the Catholic Church, like, this is the first movie to get their, like, major disapproval because of men dressed as women. Really? Uh-huh. But I heard, like, the MPAA was just, like, well, their regulations yeah. were, they couldn't do anything. No. It was just like, well, people like it. But Kansas even barred it, saying, like, this, this, um... It was not even really that much sexual Can, well, content. No, it other, wasn't. It was just other than men well, were dressed I, as women. But here's the irony, though: we're coming at it from kids of the '90s, right. where like this movie, we would see like we don't see anything really that wrong with it. Mm-hmm. But we also grew up with Janine Garofalo, and <laughs> you know, like in that type yeah. of uh, comedy and what have you. Where at the very end of the movie, where um, uh, Joe's character kisses. Um, Marilyn Sugar, Monroe, Sugar, Marilyn Monroe. I mean, it looks like a lesbian scene. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? And, 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 ev- and everybody <laughs> around, everybody in there thinks it's two women kissing. Yeah. And then they realize, oh, it's another man. It's another man or whatever. We know that as yeah. a punchline, as the audience. But the people in in the movie wouldn't wouldn't have known that. They just saw two women kissing. And it was like, oh, crap. Where's my dollar bills? Yeah. You know, all the millionaires <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. This is why I come to this hotel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I feel so to your point that that was really forward thinking. That's why I why I think this is on the list. Well, there's a couple of other things. Yeah, there's a couple of other things. The other thing was that there was the first time that you see men in drag. Yeah. Right. Like and drag. Literally, they hired somebody to come on set to teach them how to move and walk. Hilarious. Because during Shakespeare time, though, all the parts were played by men, even the women. So men have been doing drag for a long time. For a very long time. Because women weren't time. allowed to perform on stage. So men had to dress as women for Shakespeare. And they had to do all the kissing scenes, boys and girls. Mm-hmm. Everything. With Can you imagine Romeo and Juliet with two men? Romeo, Romeo, where art thou, Romeo? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true, though, right? So there was that. The other thing, it's like one of the first movies that came out during that time that kind of hinted towards homosexuality. Yeah, yeah, true. And it wasn't something that was very heavy-handed by any no. means, but I mean, there was a legitimate conversation where he's like, "We're, you know, I got engaged. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna basically get married." And he's just like, "You can't, you can't get married. You, you, yeah. you, you, you can't marry a guy. You're a guy. You can't get. Yeah. You, and it's they, not done. It's not done. There's rules. There's conventions, is what yeah. he says, right? And he's just like, "Why? How would? Why would you marry a man anyway?" 
<laughs> and he says again to your point of the theme security yeah you know in a funny way but like at the same no big time deal. we'll just get it annulled and i'll have a nice little fat paycheck exactly but i mean even keep in mind to you you had sugar's main point of view of marrying a rich man so she had security where she really didn't have to do much else afterwards yeah jack lemon's character at the same time says I'm going to marry a millionaire. It might be my only time to ever marry a millionaire. We'll get an annulled really fast. I'll make my money, and then I'll never have to work a day in my life, and I'll just keep collecting the checks is what mm. he says. And I'm just like, what the hell was this generation teaching each other? What the hell were they doing? Were they just getting married and then saying bye-bye to everybody and then just collecting checks and going to the Pretty much. court, the the country club or whatever? Yeah. Well, seems like a nice life, man. I'm going to Gotta find me some rich divorcee. That's what I'm <laughs> saying, man. <laughs> Where's my sugar mama? <laughs> I don't know. But at the same time, um, so to me, I think they hit on some pretty interesting mm-hmm. uh, things that you would have not seen back then yeah. throughout the storyline. I was a little, even though I, I got it, but I felt like, you know, you had with the bellhop kind of being like that to to Josephine. And initially, you had that weird ass millionaire doing it to Jack Lemon's character. Yes, like the, you know, line, 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 <laughs> line, 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 line. <laughs> like I'm like, dude, it's weird. Not everything you say is funny, man. Like his mouth was huge. Like he looked like Kirby. Well, they both everybody's like Kirby's Dreamland. Like I yeah. thought, like bricks and things were gonna be floating. Like I saw a cloud roll in. I saw that too, man. Yeah. Well, I Jack Lemmon's character did the same exact thing anytime he interacted with um with Sugar. You know, he tried to make a joke. <laughs> yeah. He, he did it as well. The yeah. only person that didn't do that was, Joe. was Joe's character. He's a sociopath. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> he murders somebody. I'm pretty sure. That's why they're on the lamb. He yeah. killed somebody. You know? Oh yeah. It happened. So someone who didn't want to go along with his scheme. Yeah. He's like, Do you remember what happened to Jimmy? Do you remember? Okay. All right. I mean, really, American society should thank this movie because without this movie, there would be no boat trip. That is true. (laughs) 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 So you're welcome, America. Thank you. (laughs) That's why it's on the list because it brought boat trip to us. Well, that's, that just makes my heart feel all nice and warm inside Doesn't at this it? point. Doesn't it? It really does. Just really make just warms you in the cockles. That's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, uh, but I mean, from a like, I guess my last question: Did you feel satisfied by the end of this movie? Like, with all the things no. that kind of happened, were you were you satisfied um, of the arc of the characters? Were you satisfied with the resolve of the character of of the story? Were you happy for them in any form or fashion um no because nothing really gets resolved they still left broke yeah they didn't make anything down there they basically had a free vacation and then they have nothing i mean i guess i I, i'm assuming nothing came about with the weird millionaire i'm just assuming so unless he's gonna let them stay with him which he might Maybe. Dude, I would if I was if Marilyn Monroe was hanging out all day long and what she was wearing, I'd be like, you can hang out as long as you want. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess I felt like there were some themes in there that were interesting, but if you if you enjoyed it on a surface level, it was fine. It was entertaining. The two hours went by pretty fast for me. I agree with you. But but when it came to like making good on the themes, I feel like everything fell short. I agree. I felt like it was everything was conveniently dropped when they just didn't need it anymore. Where mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know, like how little it was kids like two have, different movies almost. Yeah, you know, how what little I kids have it. a short attention span where they're mm-hmm. playing with something like they're really invested yeah. in it, and then they just leave it there, and then they go to another thing while those toys are still out. They then go to something else <laughs> because they're just like, I'm not going to clean up this mess that I've established before moving on. That's kind of what I felt like this movie did. Where it's I like see that all of these themes. It's like you know. Yeah, we're just we'll get to him later. Right. You know, maybe tomorrow. Like rain check on cleaning this up. And then, right. so for me, I guess that way it wasn't completely satisfying, but I was entertained. Yeah, I will agree with you. It's kind of like Suicide Squad where it's like watching it one time <laughs> through I'm entertained, but it completely falls apart in analysis. I agree. Well, 
So what was interesting about making this was there was a lot of problems with Marilyn Monroe. Yes. That's what I heard. Yeah. Like she had to do, I think they said 37 takes for the It's Me Sugar line. She couldn't get it right. She had the lines. It's like, it's sugar, me. And sugar, (laughs) it's me. And she could not get it right. So he actually, uh, Billy Wilder actually had to have it written on a chalkboard behind for her to read it. Really? And the line, where's the bourbon? She could not get that right. Yeah, it took like said 59 takes. Something said like, that, like right? where's the whiskey? Where's the scotch? All this stuff. He even put it in a note in the dresser where she was supposed Any to be Any drawer looking. that she was going to pull Initially, out. Initially, he just did the one she was supposed to, but she even forgot which drawer that was supposed to be. So then he put it in every single one. When I don't she's know. When she was on the phone with uh the final goodbye with the shell dude uh-huh. like if you look carefully her line her eyes are moving you know side to side because she was reading the lines because she didn't get them memorized jesus uh she a lot of days she would show up two to three hours late sometimes she would refuse to come out of her dressing room she wasn't all this shit happened and billy wilder was so pissed at her she wasn't invited to the rap party Oh, um, bummer. And when she had to be explained, the reason why is because she cost production half a million dollars with her delays and all of the takes and everything. Wow. And even Tony Curtis was upset because his performances, he felt, were getting worse and worse with every take they had to do with Marilyn Monroe. Agreed. So they ended up using her footage more than his because his performance just kind of kept getting worse and, he, and worse. I felt like he was giving a good performance totally. throughout this entire thing, you know, as best as he possibly could anyway. With, with the material, for sure. With the material. Oh, man, that's crazy. Well, I, yeah. But Jack Lemmon didn't hold anything against her. He said she was a sweetheart and she knew she had, he's like, he could tell she had to be exactly in it for her to feel confident. Mm-hmm. And so he said he felt she knew her limitations. So he was more sympathetic about it than anybody else. But that's I think that's his soul, man. Like yeah. Jack, Jack Lemmon was a wonderful he human really being. He seemed like a good human yeah. being, you know what I mean? Like he didn't really cause too much strife one way over the no. other. He was I've rolled with the punches. That's all exactly, you know. Um one of uh, uh Wilder was was famously said uh, was saying because of this shoot that they would use uh he told Curtis cuz Curtis was getting pissed off yeah. about this stuff. He yeah. told Curtis he said, "Look at it's Marilyn Monroe. Basically, when she gets that take, that's the one we're going to use. So you got to be on every single time, is what he told yeah. him. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. If he if they were going through that many takes just to get her line styled uh-huh. in, it's so tough for me to think. Because and that's probably why his voice was hurting doing the false probably stuff after a while. But I'm curious though, like fifty eight takes for a simple line like that, you kind of have to be trying at that point to screw up. No, she was a wreck, man. Even during after filming, I don't of this, know enough about Tony her. Kurt. Uh, she was just drugs and alcohol was a mess. That's why it always makes me so happy um, when I see all of these young women posting these memes of positive, like Marilyn Monroe quotes. Because I'm like, dude, she was a mess. Apparently, you don't know her history, girl. Who's right. posting this? She's the only positive role model she could be was like body image. Where she mm. was a plus-sized figure. She was actually pregnant during the filming of this. Oh, um, was she? Uh-huh. And they actually, for with promo Arthur Miller's posters... Baby? I don't know. But with promo posters and things like that, they used a body double and superimposed her head on top. What? But she actually was... You can kind of see. like There are certain scenes when she's bent over, and she has a bigger belly than normal yeah. because she was pregnant. But they're also trying to I hide just, it because to she be has so many I didn't so even notice that that much. Well, I did. I just Because I've seen her in other stuff, too. And I was sure. like, she's a little bit... And this is because she was pregnant. And that's why she, they kind of put all those layers on her and things like that. Oh, uh, that's why she was always in like in a sweater. Yeah. Or darker yeah. colors. Uh-huh. Something uh, like interesting. An, something over her clothes to huh. hide that pregnancy. But I'm like no. rewatching the movie in the back of my brain right now being like, oh, I can, she I guess layer I can kind of see that. On. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. But uh, she, yeah, she was just a mess. And even Tony Curtis predicted that she'd probably be dead within one or two movies after this one because of how much of a mess she was. Oh, and she did. She died in 62. Bummer. So, yeah. She was just... How'd she die again? Well, they don't really know, but I think they found her OD'd in a pool or by a pool. Do not quote me on that. I'm actually... No, actually, you know talking. what? I remember... Thought she, they thought she OD'd. It was her bedroom. Mm. She locked herself in her bedroom as opiates. 
not opiates, barbiturates. That was it. Barbiturates. That's still tragic, though. Yeah, you, she was 36. Yeah, still so young, man. That's crazy. I mean, at the end of the day... Oh, found, yeah, said... Uh, let's see. According to funeral directors, Marilyn died sometime between 9.30 and 11.30 p.m. Her maid unable to raise her, <coughs> but seeing a light under her locked door... <coughs> called the police shortly after midnight. She also phoned Ralph Greenson, who on arrival could not break down the bedroom door. He eventually broke in through French windows and found Marilyn dead in the bed. The coroner stated she had died from acute barbiturate poisoning, and it was a probable suicide. Mm, Bummer, man. Well, I know that she's she's she battled with anxiety and mm. depression and her she self was a image. Very abusive she's, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's I know that she grew up going in and out of foster care when she was younger. And then she kind of she was working at a factory mm. um, before she got discovered. And then somebody said, hey, you're pretty. Let's do photos. And then she basically started in pinups. Yeah. And then that's kind of how her career took off. I mean, I think the sadder part, in my opinion, is, um, you know, everybody looks at her. I mean, she's played so well to like this ditzy blonde voluptuous yeah, character. And she was probably a lot smarter than everybody gave her. Absolutely. Gave her, you know, she played into that. And... Well, that I felt like, I mean, to me, I it's tough for me to look at Marilyn Monroe and say like, that's who she is outside, outside of right. the, on the other side of the camera. Well, I almost feel like it's Chris, like Chris Farley, where she probably in front of people always felt she had to be on, right. Had to be that character had to be, mm-hmm. because that's what they were hoping. That's what they Marilyn wanted. Monroe, right. Just yeah. like Chris Farley always felt he had to do that, but he had major drug problems because he was tired. Yeah. He was exhausted of doing that. He wasn't happy. He was very depressed and she was very depressed. Makes and sense. So yeah, so maybe she just kind of felt lost or yeah, overwhelmed and I mean it's just it's too bad. Yeah, it's tragic to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be to me this is a really entertaining um film with her in it. It was very signature Marilyn. Cuz I don't think who else would have played that part the w- as well as she did for a movie like this. I mean, I don't the I director don't see wanted anybody. somebody else. I don't remember who he said but initially wanted somebody else. And actually, she's the reason Marilyn's the reason that Jack Lemon got this role. Really? Because uh, Tony Curtis was brought in first, and uh, th- and uh, Billy Wilder wanted Jack Lemon, but the studio wanted someone more known. But when they signed Marilyn Monroe they as got the known their, person, yeah. then he was able to bring Jack in. That's really cool, actually. Yeah, and actually Jerry Lewis was offered the part that Jack took, but mm-hmm. Jerry Lewis didn't want to dress in drag. Uh, but um that would have been an interesting movie seeing Jerry Lewis yeah play that character which well, which but what's weird about that cuz I was thinking about that and it would have totally changed the the character di- the dynamic between the two men because agreed I almost want to say of the two even though it's hard and that's probably one of the one of my frustrating moments of the film is I view in this movie Jack Lemmon as more of the straight man Interesting. Because he kind of, because even though Joe's more calm and collected, he, Joe in a way is the more controlling, more conniving, more like multiple characters. It was hard for me to be like, who's the straight man in this? But I feel like it was more Jack because Jack's always saying like, we shouldn't gamble. Still lost our coats. We right. shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do this. We should go as women, but just because we need the money. Well, in, you know, and yeah. So and for now me, we got to do it because we got to save our own tails. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jerry Lewis would be like, "We gotta do it. Hey, whoa, we gotta go for it, old like women." You know, like to me, he would. You wouldn't have really had a straight man, right? Because the parts would have been written the same. It's like, who's the anchor of this movie, right? And I don't really see Lewis playing the part the same way Jack did because, oh, not at all. That's I don't. What I'm saying. I, yeah, yeah, I don't think. Um, I mean, obviously, they're two different actors, so they're not going to have the same bit. But I I would have a hard time seeing Jerry Lewis in drag playing as feminine as Jack did to, because he was in character when he was underneath that. Yeah. In that drag, which he would he just sold it, you yeah. know, so far, so far over when they started doing the dress ups, you know, like the the costume camera rehearsals, the, the um, screen test is what they're uh-huh. called. Uh, they would they would got all dolled up. 
<laughs> and they're like, well, I think we got it. I think I think we you look good, and I think I look good. Well, let's go. Let's go show. Let's yep. go show Wilder. And they basically said, uh, well, first let's let's test it out. So they basically they went into the, the girl. Studio. Yeah, walked around the studio, walked into the girls' bathroom, put their lipstick on, and yeah, they they passed as women pretty much. So I thought that was pretty funny. So they owned it. Especially, yeah. especially Jack owned it. One thing that I thought was rather interesting was that the reason why they chose to do it black and white because at the time there was color. Right, color is becoming and more. And actually, in the contract, Marilyn Monroe, all of her movies are supposed to be in color. Uh-huh. But Billy Wilder convinced her to do black and white because the makeup that the men used turned them green in the lights. Oh well, so you know what's interesting? I didn't know. I didn't hear anything about it turning green. But I remember the producers talking about they wanted to do a black and white because it was such a stark image seeing the men in their makeup that they wanted to. It softened it because sure. they didn't see people in drag, so they softened it with the black and white making it a little less um, stark for the audience to see men in drag, if you will. Yeah. So that made a lot of sense. I thought that was kind of interesting to do it in black and white because of that reason Mm -hmm. in general. So, and I liked it also because even though it was in 59, it took place in 29. So, right. So it made a lot of, it made a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, and the crazy part, I mean, over the years, I mean, the movie was made for the time. I don't know if it was made for something expensive for the time, but I know that I mean the the minimum budget I think was like three million four million dollars I think it made some like forty million dollars back yeah it did really well super super good and they all took points mm-hmm. which kind Mar- of the way that Marilyn set it up was um agreed to do it was she got ten percent of the gross ah. which is huge well I heard it was seventeen percent and then after they hit their cap I think it jumped to twenty for her. I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had read 10, so that's interesting. But yeah. still, that's crazy. Super good. That's really good. For gross? <laughs> yeah, I think she was saying that she made some, she made back, like, she overall made, like, four, four to six million Jeez. after. That's like Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean money. Of the time, right? Yeah, that's sure. what I thought, too. I was like, God dang, girl. Get it. <laughs> Get your money. You know? Seriously. So, I don't know. I thought, um. The way that it was made, you know, I thought it was pretty fun. I thought it, the concept was rather interesting because it was off of an original book already. Yeah. Or a play, wasn't it? It was like a French film. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah, I think it, it was based off of an old French film that they couldn't get the complete rights for. And then so they wrote their version. Then they kind of rewrote, they rewrote it and wrote it into their type of, you know, style for the American audience and all that. And, you know, it was basically musicians go on the lam to hide from the from the mob ends up joining a band mm-hmm. is ultimately and then they kind of <laughs> you know extrapolated on the idea to kind of come up with what they have right now yeah so basically it's bosom buddies meet sister act <laughs> basically <laughs> more or less um one of the bigger things that i really enjoyed i don't know if you paid attention to it was just the music throughout not the not the 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 big musical pieces but the actual music that was happening, like the score oh, the jazz over music? time, the jazz. The yeah, I, loved I it. thought that was super interesting. Where it really sets the stage lo- for the era. Totally, man. Especially when you know you get introduced to the to the mobsters, you know, and they're using all these really cool jazz mm-hmm. violins and keys and what have you. Really set that tone, and because it was done during that t- that era, it made a lot of sense to use that as a means of creating a. Um, a sense of tension or excitement or woe, if you will, you know? So I thought that was really, really cool. And the other thing that I really was appreciative about the music is that the music was scattered enough with the main pieces, you know, like with the Marilyn Monroe singing and all that type of stuff. Super happy that it wasn't just like a straight musical throughout the entire thing. That it was very sprinkled throughout the film because I was like, oh, I don't want to sit through a musical. (laughs) (laughs) But the parts that they did, I liked a lot. Yeah, I loved it. I thought that that was it. It added, it helped the pacing of the film. Oh, totally. And it just it added this the tone of why I enjoyed it, um, despite all the issues I had with it thematically. Sure. Is just it was fun. Yeah, I agree. And it was it, it almost felt kind of off the cuff like jazz does, mm-hmm. where it's just like, hey, we're just making this up as we go along. Yeah. And I really I I enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. Did you find? Um did you find it refreshing that there wasn't that craziest cinematography that you're paying attention to? Cause I know for me, especially after watching the back to backs that we've been 
Oh, that now. it was more just straightforward. So straightforward, yeah. you know, it's just basic coverage. Yeah. Um, you know, coverage is me- <laughs> wide, mediums, shoulders, close-ups, a- inserts. I feel like and this is how it, was, it needed to be. Well, I felt like, I mean, if you look at any standard comedy now, there's not a lot of cinematic, you know, meaning or you know, unless any, it's like an symbolism or anything like that. I yeah. mean, even in an action comedy, I don't feel like there's that much in there. This I didn't feel like there was a lot of, uh, or if any, you know, there's a there was one moment in the film that I was like, oh, that's where they got swish pants from. So basically, when they were on the boat kissing, yeah, the, for the first time for dinner, and then they would swish pan to the dancing, uh, the Latin dancing, and they would swish back to the boat, you know, kind of compressing the time between yeah. a little bit. I thought that was kind of cool, and I. Out of the time period, we didn't see any of those types mm-hmm. of things, at least at least for us. So I was, oh, maybe that's where they kind of started inventing that. Because we see swish pans like that all the time. Yeah. Oh, now, yeah. Everywhere. It's like such an interesting technique that they're using. Yeah. Um, but I do like it. And they, yeah. and they use the music cue really, really uh-huh. well from the music that's actually happening in the boat to the music that's transitioning into when he's the... dancing. Uh, uh-huh. You're leading again. Yeah, exactly. To that point and then swishing it back. And then the music's changing every single time. Yeah. And I think it's such an interesting way to do that from a technical standpoint yeah, back then. So pretty cool. And I mean, kind of going back to what we talked about a little bit before, I do appreciate how they, you know, how I don't want to say brave, but how almost stubborn they were to show this, to show women in drag to sh- or to men in drag, to show that women are treated differently by men, especially right. in, you know, the fifties, almost the sixties. I just thought that that was, I don't want to say ahead of its time, but very progressive for its time. I agree. And um, I mean, even they stuck to their guns. You know, when, according to Jack Lemon, the first time they test screened it, the audience did not like it. Some people were walking out. They were getting studio notes and everything. And Jack came up to Billy. He's just like, well, what are we going to change to make this better? And Billy's like, no, nothing. I just think it's the wrong crowd. And yeah. so the next time when they showed it, um, like they had standing ovations. People just loved it. Oh, you know what's interesting about that is when I was reading reading about this, there was an actually a whole scene that they cut out. It was only sixty seconds. So when they first test screened it, I guess they didn't get the humor very well. Mm. Right? They didn't they didn't get the humor very much. Um the audience didn't mm, they thought it was fun, but it wasn't giving them the reaction that they wanted out of this film. So Wilder went back to the cutting room and in the train sequence, uh, there was a scene that they had in there, which was um, basically after the conversation between Jack and Sugar in the bathroom. Jack's kind of like starting to fall for Sugar a little bit in that moment. You mean Joe? Joe, sorry. Yeah, Joe. Joe's falling for her in that moment, right? Josephine, if you will. And um, there's that party going on in Jack's bunk or mm-hmm. what have you. So in order for um, for Joe to sleep, she told him to go to her bunk. So he goes to her bunk, and um, Jack tries doesn't know where she's at because Jack didn't know that she was still in the bathroom. Gotcha. So Jack goes in to kind of curl up with next to her to tell her, like, hey, I'm a man. And that's Joe. And it's Joe. That's so funny. It's actually really funny, but yeah. they they took that whole sequence, wow. that whole scene out. Um, and I guess Wilder was saying that it just it, it was just one extra scene more than the moment than it oh, needed. That makes sense. Yeah. So they they took that out, which Curtis was pissed off because it was it was a good scene because yeah. he's already you know though he's the main guy he wants to be on there as much as he yeah. possibly can obviously well, especially getting cut a lot because of Maryland because exactly <laughs> Jack Lemon was just like eh, whatever <laughs> you know he was like eh, just well, happy to be here. yeah just thanks. Thanks and he for got an me. Oscar nomination for it. Oh, did he? Yeah, that's pretty cool. In fact, even Jerry Lewis said he regrets turning Not, down the oh, part. Oh, turning it down. Yeah, well, you weren't right for it, Jerry. No, he you wasn't. really weren't. So glad he wasn't. In yeah, it. me too. Um, but I'm a lady. <laughs> <laughs> no, no uh, to that end, uh, when they rescreened it, um, that's when they everybody just loved it. Oh, no. And it was only sixty seconds taken out of it. And I think it's the way that they they build it out. I think it was. Uh, the way that they said it was something along the lines of um, they would they would do a a mid movie 
a mid-studio movie, mm. not like a major studio movie. Yeah. So they called it a mid-studio movie, and then when people went to go see the test screening, they thought it was a comedy right out of the gate. So then they were like, all right, cool. So they already just kind of prepped themselves differently yeah. when they first did the test screening to the second test screening, and then they loved it. So it yeah, worked it, out better that and way, honestly, I Honestly, it's a funny scene, but looking back, it's not needed. It's really not. Because what extra are you going to all you all that scenes for is for a punchline and yeah. for another way to show Joe and Joe's dominance over his buddy, yeah. his so-called best friend. Yeah, we've seen it enough. We get it. Yeah, we you get know, it. though it is funny, I feel. But I agree with you. I don't think it. And I agree with Wilder that it was just one scene too many yeah. to have within that. Kind of redundant. Agreed. So nice. pretty neat, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think we did it. I think that's all we need to say. I mean, I guess the last question would be, would you recommend it? Uh, I would. Yeah, I I would say with, you know, the asterisk to just enjoy it for what it is and to just appreciate it for the similar films that have used this as an example for their format. You know, this is very much Tootsie. We already talked about these, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire, Sister Act, all this. Like, I think it's. It's interesting, and also I would watch it for Marilyn. I yeah, think, despite I mean, we didn't talk too much, too heavily on that, but in some crazy way, I've never seen a lot of I've I've, mm. I've never been you this know is Marilyn very much Monroe signature Marilyn Monroe, and that's what I found. Like I've never really seen a Marilyn Monroe movie. Um, this is the only one that I've honestly truly seen, which wow. yeah, I'm kind of you know sorry guys, but at the same time, this particular one, I can understand why Marilyn Monroe was coveted the way she she, had that she, is. Special, she really right? did, man. Yeah. The way that she looked at the camera, the way she just you know, she, you felt like she was singing to you on the other side of yeah. the of the screen, and I think that that charisma and that charm that she had just was so beautiful, man. Mm-hmm. And she's a very beautiful woman, and yeah. not not your quintessential like what society now thinks is quote unquote beautiful. Like I like that she was a little thicker. I yeah. like that she was just who she was, and I like she had that innocent feel. Um, I guess she was like the queen of double entendres uh-huh. all the time, you know. So I always thought that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, there, I agree with you. Um, I would recommend this. I would honestly recommend this to a younger audience. So like teenagers, people like that, I think, um, they would get a kick out of it mm-hmm. just out of the simplicity of the story yeah. and the farcicalness of everything. Cause I mean, I got introduced to it when I was in high school and I enjoyed it when I was in high school. Yeah. To be honest with you, I think I've seen it too many times and I've, you know, I did the play and all that mm-hmm. type of stuff. Like when I wa- had to watch it again, I was like, oh, God, this came up again. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, but, you know, if I'm stepping outside of that, I think it's fun. I think it's if, if it's one of those movies that you don't have to do a lot of thinking about. Right. Like you probably shouldn't. Uh, no, you really, really should. Like Apocalypse Now, you're thinking a lot. You're you're interpreting visuals. You're under you're trying to figure out, you know, what is the filmmaker trying to say and do and all these types of things. This movie, you can just go in, watch it, have some popcorn, have a couple of laughs, enjoy it for what it is, and then peace out and then forget about it later. You know what I mean? There's Love nothing it. that's really learned. I'm okay with that. Yeah. So if you want something that's... I do recommend it. I ended up, uh, because it wasn't streaming anywhere, so I ended up renting it from Amazon Prime. Uh-huh. And after, I was like, I'm glad I did. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, cool, you can take my 399 Yeah. I didn't mind it at all. I minded it quite a bit when I did that for Waterworld, but for <laughs> this one, <laughs> not at all. Can we get a refund, yeah. Costner? Because this is ridiculous. It's awful. Damn it, Costner. Costner. Yeah, that's funny. Awesome. Well, cool, man. There we go. So, I like it. Now, next question, Gary. What's what? making you hard? What's making me hard this week? Um, Do you want me to go first? Yeah, dude. I mean, right. the air show was awesome. Oh, yeah? I went to an air show this weekend. Um, I really enjoyed going to the air show. I haven't been to an air show since I was like 10 years old, man. Um, really cool. It sucked. It rained all day Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, at the air show. But you know what though? To be completely honest with you, the whole weekend was pretty nostalgic. We went bowling. We went to an air show. We had a couple drinks. Um, did a little karaoke. Uh, and then Sunday it rained all day. So we were riding. Me and my wife were riding our bikes in the rain. We got a cup of coffee. It was. I, we felt. I felt nice. like we were kids again. Yeah. It was absolutely phenomenal. So I haven't been really watching too much. I've been kind of getting out more and more per se but um this weekend was actually pretty fun because of the air show it was put on by a multi-billion dollar company or whatever just to educate kids about aeronautics 
That's cool. That's all it was, just to build awareness. Like, this is actually a job somebody can have. Mm-hmm. And so that's how they basically structured the whole thing. So I'm like 20,000 or more. Like, I think I want to there was a lot of people there, man. I felt wow. like it was like 200,000 people just across between Newport and Long Beach, just within that Damn. stretch. It was a lot of people. But I could be throwing those numbers out of my ass. So I'll, eh. I'll choose to believe you. Sounds good to me. So, yeah. What about you? For me... Uh, actually, movies you let me borrow. Oh, uh, so The Beaver and Tusk. Uh huh. Um, and I liked the I. The reason that I am bringing them up is because it makes me happy to see established people, established filmmakers, try experimental things. Yeah, I agree. Now, personally, did I like one or both of these movies? I did not. I did not <laughs> like either of them. <laughs> they're they're unique. I didn't care for it and actually it disturbed me to no end seeing they're very disturbing him dressed as a walrus like that actually made me queasy yeah it's creepy it's like it was disgusting um and i don't quite understand the ending however (laughs) however i really appreciated both jodie foster and kevin smith for doing these for taking their clout if you will to do these non-conventional movies that that are interesting mm-hmm. that it, I felt like both of them were probably a challenge to those filmmakers. Oh yeah. To see if they could pull this off. And, and the also, the other thing I liked about it is a lot of indie films. They have that look of indie films where you're just like, this is done with low risk. Yeah. And whereas these <laughs> yeah. are, the production value was phenomenal for both of them. Right. Like they were top notch production, top notch cinematography. Agreed. The acting was phenomenal i mean everything all of the elements were there they took this seriously this experimental thing didn't work for me narratively but that's okay mm-hmm. i appreciate sitting through that and i would rather sit through something that i ultimately can't say i really liked as a story mm-hmm. i would rather sit through that than something where i'm like wow that was fun but man it just is paint by numbers sure you know so, so i can see that yeah, so for me, I'd say so that. So you kind of reward the risk making movies like this. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I, I, I like that, that I felt like this was important to, to them to do this as an experiment. You know, I mean, and Jodie Foster at the time was taking a huge risk because casting Mel Gibson was like. Uh, oh, that's right. That was after all of his yeah, BS going Yeah, on, like huh? she was basically saying, like, please forgive him and go see my movie, yeah. which nobody did. And it totally <laughs> bombed. It didn't make anything. Oh, really? Because of that. Sad. Um, yeah, because of Sugar Tits Gate, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, it's I, so anyway. So I just I appreciated, like I said, both Jodie Foster and Kevin Smith, where I felt like it was pretty cool of them to take that risk. Nice. And to kind of come out. Well, I'm glad you actually story. watched them. Yeah, absolutely. Because I got weird movies like that all all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bunch of them for you if you want. Sold. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's it. I think that's it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, listeners. We and really appreciate it. Tune in next week where we talk about Sunset Boulevard. I've never seen this movie. I haven't. I've only seen the musical. I've never seen the stage musical. I've never actually seen this movie. So I'm interested to see how it plays out. Pun intended? I can't. Unintended, but I'll take it. All right, then. Till next week. Till next week. We out. <laughs>